This week on Paranormally Speaking, Zombies, the Undead, and the Spirit World. I'll be discussing those things and reading a couple of stories that I've written pertaining to that subject matter. I'll also be covering some current events, sharing information with you that's both useless and enlightening. I hope that you enjoy the 20 minutes or so that I will be dedicating to this week's episode of Paranormally Speaking, hosted by me, Neil Parks. Please hold for a word from our sponsor. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. The tragic forgotten history of zombies. The horror movie trope owes its heritage to Haitian slaves who imagined being imprisoned in their bodies forever. In the original script for 1968's Night of the Living Dead, the director George A. Romero refers to his flesh-eating antagonists as ghouls. Although the film is widely credited with launching zombies into the cultural phenomenon it is today, It wasn't until its follow-up ten years later, the consumerist nightmare Dawn of the Dead, that Romero would actually use the term while making the first film. Romero understood zombies instead to be the undead Haitian slaves depicted in the 1932 Bela Lugosi film, horror film White Zombie. By the time Dawn of the Dead was released in 1978, the cultural tide that had shifted completely and Romero had essentially reinvented the zombie for American audiences, the last 15 years have seen films and TV shows including Shaun of the Dead, 28 Days Later, World War Z, Zombieland, Life After Beth, iZombie, The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, and even Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. But the zombie myth is far more older and more rooted in history than the blinkered arc of American pulp culture suggests. It first appeared in Haiti in the 17th and 18th centuries, when the country was known as Saint Domingue and ruled by France, which hauled in African slaves to work on sugar plantations. Slavery in Saint Domingue under the French was extremely brutal. Half of the slaves brought in from Africa were worked to death within a few years, with only, which only led to the capture and import of more. The hundreds of years since, the zombie myth has been widely appropriated by American pop culture in a way that whitewashes its origins and turns the undead into a platform for escapist fantasy. The original brains-eating fiend was a slave not to flesh of others, but to its own. The zombie archetype is as it appeared in Haiti and mirrored in the inhumanity that existed there from 1625 to around 1800 was a projection of the African slaves, relentless misery and subjugation. Haitian slaves believed that dying would release them back to Guinea or Africa in general, a kind of afterlife where they could be free. Though suicide was common among slaves, those who took their own lives would be allowed to return to Guinea. Instead, they'd be condemned to skulk the Hispaniola plantations for eternity and not reach paradise. An undead slave 
at once denied their own bodies and yet trapped inside them a soulless zombie. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Bloody Birthday, written by me, Neil Parks, and also narrated by me, Neil Parks. Enjoy. Good evening. My name is Neil Parks. I'm an award-winning author, screenwriter, artist, and I also dabble in the paranormal as far as investigating and researching the unknown. I'm here to read a few of my stories to you in an attempt to do an audiobook, something a little special to possibly scare the pants off of you. My first story, Bloody Birthday. Come on, Aiden, it's time to blow out your candles, said Trish. His mom, as the partygoers were finishing singing, Happy Birthday. Aiden's mother wasn't crazy about the theme for the party, but The Walking Dead was her son's favorite television show, and it's what he desperately wanted. Finally, Trish relented as she couldn't resist his constant pleading any longer. Aiden insisted that his mom and dad dress in costume for the party, but he was also delighted to see that a few of his friends and family got into the spirit and dressed as zombies as well. Some of the relatives had arrived already. They drifted away from the party and were over by the pond. Aiden's mom chose Yachtanji Park as the location for the party because it has a shelter house, lots of room to play games, a playground, and it's a great area for the party because of these things. Plus... The pond, which was next to it, was great for fishing and riding paddle boats. Aiden agreed that it was the perfect setting for the party. A few of Aiden's cousins and his aunt devoured the cake and ice cream and decided to forego the presents so they could skip rocks on the pond. Aiden looked in their direction to yell, Thank you! for their present when he saw something big moving along the water near where the ducks were swimming. Look! Look! It's a huge fish! Aiden's cousin shouted. It looks big enough to eat the ducks! Aiden's aunt exclaimed. A few more family members and passerbys moved in closer to see what all the commotion was about. What started out as looking like a huge fish under the water was something entirely different. In fact, there were several floating objects in the water. Aiden's attention was immediately pulled from opening presents to what was happening at the pond. He soon noticed everyone in the vicinity was focused on the same thing. What was causing the big commotion at the pond? Aiden slowly walked toward the water, focusing all his attention on something coming up out of the water. To his disbelief and outright terror... He saw several figures emerging from the water and walking toward him and the partygoers behind him. Oh my God, Mom! They look so real! They look like real zombies from The Walking Dead! Aiden was beyond excited for what he believed to be the ultimate surprise. 
Several people were crawling out of the pond and walking the grounds near the party area. Most of the younger children scurried away from the horde approaching the birthday party. This is badass! This looks so friggin' real! said Aiden's uncle, who was already dressed as a dollar store zombie. His getup paled in comparison to the obvious hours of work that went into how authentic and movie-like these zombies looked. They've got to be professionals, one of the partygoers said to Aiden's uncle. This must have cost Trish some big bucks, Adam thought to himself. A young couple walking by with their dog came to a stop and watched for a moment. Oh my God, Kyle, it's a zombie walk, excitedly said his girlfriend. The young couple stopped moving and continued watching the large group of people dressed as the undead approached them. A random passerby walked up to the horde and stood next to one of the zombies, hoping for a selfie. But he was instantly grabbed by one of them. The zombie bit deep into the man's neck and grabbed onto his face. The poor man let out an echoing scream. The sound in his flailing drew the attention of the rest of the horde. They descended upon him like a group of starving tigers on a wounded gazelle. The young couple was ripped apart by the other wandering undead cannibals as they stood still in shock. The crowd that gathered to watch the horde emerge from the pond started running away from the scene and screaming. The sounds and movement caught the attention from some of the zombies, and they started to spread out. Most of them started moving towards the birthday party. The confusion and chaos was too much for everyone in the park. One person after another was getting grabbed, attacked, and bitten by what was believed to be a birthday party surprise. Parents were rushing to their children and attempting to grab them and flee between all of the madness. Aiden saw his father in the distance. His dad had finally returned from a last-minute cola run to the store. Aiden wasn't sure how to run through the hell that was breaking loose around them so he could get to his father. He started walking swiftly in the direction of where he saw him. His heart stopped and his gag reflexes kicked in as he tripped over body parts, half-eaten partygoers, and random strangers. Aiden's mother started running towards his father, hoping that he could get them help and a quick escape. Mom! Dad! Aiden cried. Aiden began to stumble, then run into his parents' direction. He was only a few feet away from them when he noticed that his dad had blood on his shirt and his arm. The trail of blood was flowing from the side of his neck. Dad! Dad! Aiden screamed. His newly zombified father stopped sauntering and turned to look in his direction. Aiden's mother was within an arm's reach of his dad. It was too late for her to notice that he was now a shell of his former self. Aiden's dad grabbed onto her and bit deep into her face. Her cheekbone was now exposed as the flesh was ripped away by the ravenous biting. Trish! Screams. Her, e her echoes were heard through the park. Mom! No! Dad! Stop it! Stop! Aiden screamed as he watched his mother fall at his father's feet. Blood poured from her deep gashes. Aiden could feel the ice flow through his veins and noticed that his feet felt cemented to the ground 
as absolute fear crept through his body. He looked around to see more and more of his friends and family running from the party, lying dead on the ground, being attacked by the undead, or rising up to walk among the horde of the walking dead. This was supposed to be a beautiful, memorable day for Aiden. All of the partygoers, friends, and family were supposed to be celebrating another year of Aiden's life. As his mother arose after being eaten alive, both of Aiden's parents started to slowly walk towards a sobbing Aiden. He stretched out his arms as to hug them and to face the inevitable on his bloody birthday. Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction, Are We Alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the internet. Thank you. Enjoy this next story, Grave Encounters, written by me, Neil Parks, and narrated by none other than David Hasselhoff. No, seriously, me, Neil Parks. Grave Encounter Eric had big plans for the upcoming holiday weekend. He was super excited to take part in all the activities of the July 4th holiday. Firework displays, barbecues, and outdoor activities, including swimming and volleyball on the beach. Eric was employed as a sous chef at a very popular seafood restaurant in the small resort town of Sandy Isle on the coast of South Carolina. Eric had been employed at the restaurant for less than a year, and this was his first opportunity to enjoy the summer fun with three-plus days off. Eric was pumped. Yes, he thought. I'll be enjoying the weekend off while my co-workers are sweating away in the kitchen. The restaurant manager decided to close early on that day to allow the employees a few hours respite from work before the onslaught of tourists arrived the next morning. Eric was on a mini-vacation at closing time today, so he was, of course, even more excited to close. Eric thought to himself, let's get this party started. However, time was dragging today. And as he repeatedly looked up at the clock, the hands seemed to move slower and slower, as if they were mocking him in deliberate defiance of his eagerness to leave. Eric was usually would drive his car or ride his bicycle to work. He decided that day he would just walk. He thought to himself, I'll avoid all the holiday traffic and save some gas, too. I'll take the shortcut by the graveyard, and I'll be home to meet up with Annie in less than ten minutes. Yes, this will be a lot better than being stuck in traffic, and I can change before Annie gets there. A voice from the dining room called out to Eric. This sound brought his mind back to where he was and interrupted his daydream. Eric, we've got one more order. Could you stick around for just ten more minutes? Eric was internally perturbed by this request, but on the exterior, he smiled and shot back, Yeah, no worries, I got you covered. It appeared that Eric was going to get held over for a little while longer. That little while actually turned into hours. The moon was full and bright that evening. A smooth breeze swept through the town. 
Eric finally finished his shift. He quickly cleaned his station before taking out the trash. The time was 8.45 p.m. This reality put a spring in Eric's step as he started his walk home from the restaurant. The cold breeze was blowing softly through the town. His walk was well lit by the ambient glow of a full moon. This trip on foot took Eric down the street where the town's old cemetery was located. Eric approached the gates of the cemetery. Something about the atmosphere that night felt unsettling to him. He noticed that the gates were open and unlocked. He thought to himself, it's after sunset. Why are those gates locked? Eric took it upon himself to close and lock the gates. He was hoping that someone didn't break into the cemetery and vandalize any of the headstones that were there. As he continued on his journey, his thoughts were disrupted by a strange noise coming from inside the cemetery. Eric could hear what sounded like a child giggling. Hello? Who's in there? Eric shouted as he moved closer to the gate that separated the living from the dead. He tried to focus in on the area where he thought the sound was coming from. Eric stood patiently waiting for a reply, but there wasn't a response. He took a few more steps forward, but then he had his focus taken aback to the cemetery when he heard a soft-pitched voice humming and singing. Eric returned to the gate again. This time he was quite agitated and angrily called out, Hello, you can stop screwing with me already. The fun is over. Eric assumed that some local kids were fooling around in the cemetery and his impatience to get home. He didn't see the humor in this at all. Cut it out, punks. I know you're in there fooling around. I'm calling the cops when I get home. Eric shouted to whomever was hiding in the shadows of the cemetery. He stood firm on his sidewalk and glared into the darkness. Absolute silence followed his stern warning. Eric thought, well, I guess I showed them, as he puffed out his chest, exhaled, and turned to continue on his walk. His concentration was broken by something he didn't expect to see emerge from the shadows. Before him, on the other side of the gate, stood a dark-haired figure, leaning against a distorted tree. The individual appeared to be quietly sobbing. Shrouded in the shadows, this person appeared to be a small female with long, dark hair. She was wearing what appeared to be an old, dingy white gown that was tattered and smudged with dirt. Eric took a moment to catch his breath. He was taken aback by the peculiar sight of this girl. Appearing out of thin air in the graveyard, Eric cleared his throat and swallowed hard, only to be left with a dry mouth. He called out, Hello? Miss, are you hurt? The girl said nothing. She remained still and continued to weep. Eric was starting to unravel. He had been by this graveyard more than a thousand times, and he had never experienced anything like this. His lungs tightened, making it difficult to breathe. His hands were shaking and wet with perspiration. His head began to throb. Miss, excuse me, are you okay? D do you need help? Eric said aloud. The girl refused to acknowledge his query. He was increasingly agitated by her unwillingness to reply. He took a deep breath. Hello, are you deaf, girl? Do you freaking understand me? I'm trying to help you, Eric shouted 
as he placed his hands on the iron rods of the gate. Aaron looked around the area where she was standing. The grave directly in front of him had a pile of toys, cards, toy necklaces, stuffed dolls, and candy draped over it. Eric smacked the gate as he called out to her again, but he was quickly stifled by her response. The mystery girl emerged from the shadows, moving like a marionette and facing away from him. Slowly, she sauntered toward the gate, awkwardly walking backwards until she was in front of Eric. His throat tightened, and the hairs on his arms stiffened and stood erect. The girl moved closer and started to turn to face Eric. Eric gasped. He couldn't breathe. He was now face to face with this menace of the night, and he was scared to death. He trembled uncontrollably as he looked into the girl's eyes. To his shock, her eyes were not present. Only vacant pits of black remained. Matted hair framed her pale face. The girl opened her mouth as to speak. However, there were no words and no sound. Only the stench of death poured out from her mouth. Eric grabbed his chest as to keep his heart from bursting. He let out a voiceless scream as he jumped back from the gate. His legs were weak from the frightful encounter, and he stumbled and fell from the sidewalk onto the street behind him. The headlights of a passing car immediately blinded him. The vehicle came to a screeching halt to keep from hitting Eric. "'What are you trying to do, get yourself killed?' shouted the driver from her open driver's side window. After taking a second look, the driver called out to Eric in disbelief. "'Eric, is that you? What are you doing on the ground? You're supposed to be home already.' Eric realized who was talking to him. Thankfully, Annie, his girlfriend, was the one driving down the same street just as he was face to face with one of the most terrifying encounters of his life. "'Annie, we need to go now!' Eric shouted. He stumbled repeatedly as he ran to her passenger door. He slammed the car door on his foot upon his first attempt to shut the door and uttered a few profanity-laced expletives. Go, go, go! Eric screamed, and he floored the gas pedal without hesitation. Eric's stomach started to churn as he turned to look back at the cemetery, and he pulled her car into a wet, well-lit parking lot of a nearby gas station. She put the car in park as Eric threw open the passenger door so he could vomit. What is wrong with you? Annie inquired. You look like you've seen a ghost. Eric wiped his puke-soiled mouth with his sleeve and explained the encounter to Annie. Eric always cared for Annie and loved her for as long as he could remember. He shared his story with her without a second thought. Eric, I believe you. I've lived in this town since childhood, and I've seen things in that graveyard that can't be explained. Without saying a word, Annie reached for Eric's hand. She pulled him closer to her and attempted to kiss him. Eric backed away slightly. Annie, babe, I just puked, remember? Annie chuckled as their eyes met again. She moved in for a second time and kissed his vomit-tainted lips. Eric, I love you, vomit mouth and all. Their brief moment together was interrupted suddenly. Eric went into a state of panic. He was grabbing each pocket to double-check where he had put his phone, but came up empty-handed. My, my phone! I don't have my phone! 
I must have dropped it when I fell into the street. Annie, I'm sorry, but I have to go back and get it. What if that witch or demon or whatever it was gets it and finds out who I am? Annie grabbed Eric's hand in order to settle him down and agreed to go back there so he could retrieve his phone. Eric sighed as he traced his hand along her lacy scarf. They got back into the car and headed back into the direction of the cemetery. They stopped near the spot where Eric had been. Annie turned her headlights on high beam. She grabbed Eric's hand and said, I have a flashlight on the back floorboard. Eric grabbed the flashlight and said to Annie, Come on, let's find this freaking thing together. Are you up for it, Annie? He said with a forced smirk. They get out of her car and shuffled their feet as they approached the exact spot where Eric came face to face with this demonic-looking apparition. Eric, with Annie's flashlight in hand, proceeded to scour the area, looking for his phone. He was hoping to avoid being that caused him to lose his cool. He was afraid that it would show up again, but he wasn't about to give up until he found his phone. Eric had heard stories from various townspeople of strange encounters in that graveyard. He had always dismissed these tales as simply ghost stories or legends handed down through the years. This was different from everything else he's heard. It wasn't a figment of his imagination. He saw something unusual. Eric would just laugh and shrug off these supposed ghost stories of encounters in the old graveyard, but what he experienced that night would forever change his opinion. Eric, what is that? Annie whispered. Eric pointed the flashlight toward the tree where he saw the ghostly figure. It occurred to him at that moment, holy shit, this is the grave with all of the toys and other stuff covering it. Look at it, Annie. Those items on the grave are scattered everywhere. Eric said aloud, it looks as if something or someone had tossed these toys, seashells, and cards all around the area. Holy shit, this is the grave with all the toys and other stuff covering it. Look at it, Annie. Those items on that grave are scattered everywhere, Eric said aloud. It looked as if something or someone had tossed toys, seashells, and cards all around the area. Annie, these are covering that dead girl's grave from earlier. When I saw that girl in the white, I noticed the grave was covered with this stuff. What did I see? Annie was standing close to the fence line. She placed her hands along the rails. What is that? She said aloud. The headlights to Annie's car shut off. Eric quickly turned to look at the car to see what blocked the headlights. He slowly walked toward the car, and then the headlights turned back on, brighter than before. Annie, I think your alternator might be going bad on your car. The lights keep flickering, Eric said to her as he turned to face her. To his surprise, Annie was no longer standing at the fence. Annie? Annie, where are you, babe? Eric called out in desperation. He lifted the beam from his flashlight to check the area where she had been standing. He ran to the fence line and used the flashlight to canvas the area in hopes of finding where Annie may have wandered off to. He was beginning to get really worried about where she was. Annie, where are you? Eric cried aloud again. He could hear muffled screams coming from the decorated grave. Eric's heart dropped to his stomach when he panned the ground along the grave and he saw Annie's scarf 
Her scarf was sticking halfway up out of the ground. Annie's muffled screams grew softer and softer. Annie! Annie! Eric cried as the scarf was no longer visible and had sunk all the way beneath the earth. As the breeze started to shake the tree branches around him, the laughter of the ghost girl billowed through the air. Monster.fandom.com That's monster.fandom.com Well, that's it. The weekend is over, and so is this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for 30-plus minutes. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Try to sleep well tonight after I just scared the pants off of you with stories of zombies and the afterlife. I'll see you next week. Enjoy the weekend. This is Neil Park signing off.